If you've been watching our videos, you know the big news, we got camels. And we've talked a little bit about the reasons why we got camels, mainly being because we're dealing with some serious food allergies with our fifth child, our little baby boy. So we took a deep dive into gut healing, food intolerances, and trying to get some answers with these issues that we were facing. And something that kept coming to the surface was camels and camel milk. And as you know, we've talked a lot about this in the last week. Uh, that's why we decided to kind of shift a little bit on our homestead. We've been milking cows for a long time. We've milked dairy goats in the past. We figured, you know what? We know how to do a dairy. We know how to milk an animal. Let's bring camels on. Success. Beautiful, delicious camel milk. Kay will be thrilled. We haven't talked at length about the health benefits of camel milk because we had a very special interview planned and that's what you're going to enjoy today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We're interviewing Christina Adams. She wrote a fantastic book. It's called Camel Crazy, and she's here to talk about her story, her journey with camel milk, some of the things she's learned along the way. I'm really looking forward to this interview. So, Christina, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm delighted to be here. What a pleasure. My wife actually found your book. It was probably about a month ago. She dove right in. She started reading it. She shared it with me. I've been reading it. Uh, it's a great read. It seems like it's been a, a kind of taken off for you. How's the book performing? Um, I, you know, anything to do with camels is always uh, an adventure. And so I, you know, have been working on this for a long, long time. And so just to get the book published uh, was, you know, um, a great thing. And, and so I really didn't know what to expect, but I knew there were people out there that desperately needed it. So I'm happy to say now it's been out for maybe three months and 
uh, Barnes and Noble called it must read nonfiction and the public library of science, uh, DNA genetics blog did a deep dive featuring it and even dove into camel genetics. And wow. um, I'm hearing from even more people around the world than I usually do. And, <laughs> and my April is stacking up with speaking events. And so um, I'm very pleased. Uh, it's been, uh, it's in lots of countries around the world. And um, I'm just so glad that all that messaging is getting out there to people that need it and and don't know that they're going to fall in love with camels. That is something uh, we've been doing for a few weeks now. We've been doing interviews about camels and camel milk and all these other things. And we've been keeping it secret because we didn't announce it on the channel. We wanted it to be a big surprise. Uh, but that's something you keep hearing about is when you get to be around camels, you just fall in love with camels. Uh, we were referred to you from Tara from Camel Connection. And uh, they describe them as the love animal. And I can see why spending a little bit of time with them already. We've had them for a couple days now. You really do feel this connection with these animals. Your connection is probably a little bit stronger because of how it all started. Let's hear a little bit about your story, Christina. Tell us what got you into the world of camels in the first place. Well, I did not ever have the idea I would be uh, remotely involved with camels. I'm from Virginia originally, and I have spent time on a farm. I was a 4-H'er, and uh, those animals are usually cattle, and uh, my dad had some bees and stuff like that. So we were doing um, corn, hay, tobacco, and cows, and uh, I think some other animals. My dad would, he was that guy that always tries something, you know. Um, Sounds familiar. No way, yeah, <laughs> a, real, a real entrepreneurial farmer guy. Um, but I had no, you know, idea of camels outside of history books, really, or you know, maybe that I thought maybe they still live in Egypt. That's all I knew. So um, when my son got diagnosed with autism, I had to do that deep dive. My son was progressing uh, normally, and he was advanced in a lot of ways. I mean, he spoke very early. Um, said his first word at like nine months. And he walked at one month, uh, I mean, one year, so everything seemed okay. And it was for a while, but then um, he regressed. And I said, all of a sudden he became hyperactive and going crazy and going wild. And he'd had red cheeks before. And I had said to his mainstream pediatrician, like, shouldn't he be on soy or something? Is that a sign of a food allergy? I didn't know, you know why should I even have to know that back in the, Back then, there wasn't a lot of stuff on the internet about this, and it was just something that I had picked up on my own. And she said, oh, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. So that is still happening, unfortunately, where kind of the mainstream docs just kind of shine you on. Now, not all of them, but it is still far too common. So I guess um, he did regress, and all of a sudden I had this job that was going wild on me, and it was exhausting. And he started, you know, like I'd take him out to eat. And I later I realized this is a noisy environment. It's, it's making him worse. But, you know, he'd start pounding me on the head or hitting me with silverware or something. And, and it just became very difficult. And he was biting me a lot. And um, so you're just frustrated. You're just, you don't know. But it causes issues because you know something is up. But nobody else does. And they just don't want to deal with it. Or they just say, oh, well, you need to do this. Or he'll outgrow it or whatever. So... I knew there was something, but I never dreamed it would be autism. You know, at that time, that was not really that heard of. It was still a rare disorder, uh, you know, out in the public eye at that time. Um, and so I couldn't believe that. But then finally, somebody that I trusted did say, 
hey, he reminds me of my nephew who has autism. And this was a preschool teacher. And the preschool teachers, they always know. They don't want to say it exactly, but if they have concerns, they know. So as painful as it is, they're a good screening, better screening than a lot of other, you know, gatekeepers. So I went home that day when she said, she he reminds me of my nephew who has autism. And I called somebody else that, and they said, we knew that he did and we were just calling to tell you. So my world collapsed. But at that same time, I said to myself, I don't care what I have to do, where I have to go, I will do anything to help him get better. Now, I, I did not wanna, you know, it didn't cause me to reject him or, or think less of him. It just made my heart break wide open and say, what do I have to do to help him? So I've never really changed that. I always you know, knew that people are neurodiverse. Some have disabilities, some are different, and that's okay. But you also, so you have to accept that, but you also must support them and give them the best chance they can to live the best life they can. So that's my philosophy and it always has been. I think that's just a great philosophy for parenting in general. Um, you know, we have so many choices when raising kids. What are we going to feed them? Uh, what are we going to let them, you know, activities wise? How are we going to teach them? There's, there's a million questions every day. And the easy, sometimes the easy way is not the right way. The easy way to feed your kids, the easy way to, uh, you know, teach your kids, all these different things. There are easy ways, there are right ways. Sometimes the easy way is the right way, sometimes not. But I think that's just a good philosophy. I'd already had a career in some government stuff and uh, public relations, aerospace, things like that. So I knew how to dig into information, but I did not really know much about health kind of things. So I did that deep dive into finding out what is autism? How can I help him? What's going on? And I had some amazing mothers around me who'd already dealt with this and they're like, don't waste time, change his diet immediately, uh, go see these doctors, do X, Y, and Z, get these therapies. And I did it and he got better really quickly. So during that process, um, you know, I just started writing about it. And so I wrote my first book, which uh, is called A Real Boy, A True Story of Autism, Early Intervention and Recovery. And in this book, I talked about dietary changes and how removing cow milk um, and cheese and things like that, casein and lowering sugars were really key to a lot of these children, including mine, whose language got better then. So then after that book came out, I was minding my own business at a children's book fair in California. And um, I saw a camel standing there and my son was seven years old then. And and so I saw a camel, I was bored. I went over and looked at this camel and and had no idea what was going to happen after that. But I looked at this camel and I thought, why is a camel here if no children are riding it? And so then I went over, I saw a guy with a green hat on and he was selling soap and lotion made from camel milk. And then I said, for whatever reason, what else do they do with this milk? And he said, they give it to premature infants in hospitals in the Middle East because it's thought to be non-allergenic and it may be close to human breast milk. And that was the time when I thought, Yes, I have got to find this milk. Because I believe it might, A, boost his immune system, which is connected to his autism symptoms, and that it might help him, and B, it might be a great non-dairy milk, uh, because all the other non-dairy, all the other dairy milks and the non-dairy milks would always cause him allergic responses. And so I went home and just started researching it, and there was just some weird articles, research articles, um, and they weren't really, there was nothing about autism or anything, but I didn't stop. 
and uh, became a single mom then, increasing my challenges, but um, you know, you really never give up for your kids. And so I kept looking and looking and I found an article had just come out a few months later um, and it showed that in Israel, some children had gotten better from their autism symptoms and food allergies. And so I knew I'm on the right path. And so I had to go a little bit camel crazy and uh, do the rest of the story, which is in the book. That makes me think of a line in your book that I it struck home with me because I know over the next coming months, we're going to be called crazy a few different times by people on our channel for having purchased camels with zero experience. And now we're diving headlong into this effort to start a camel dairy operation. This line struck home. It's in chapter four of your book. And, uh, talking to this gentleman, he says, many people say they would go all over the world to help their child. His English is hesitant with emotion. It goes on, but to see a mother who did it, nobody really does it, but you did. His solemn recognition startles me, touches a soft spot in my heart. He makes me feel like someone in this hard and lonely world. I love that line. I thought it was so good. Thank you. It was a real special moment for me and I didn't expect it and it still warms my heart right now. So let's talk about, uh, you're, you're there, you talk to the man about what does camel milk do and this light bulb goes off in your head. You're thinking, you know what, if it's a lot like breast milk, maybe it could help your son. Uh, what happens next? Yeah, so like I said, you know, I went home and researched and there was nothing online and I had to go found another article months later and I had to go a little crazy and uh, do my best to find out where are camels and where can I get this milk. So at that time, uh, there was just a little bit of some kind of camel organization selling, wasn't even an organization, now I know that, there's no such <laughs> thing. But, um, it was somebody said, hey, I'm selling camels. And I wrote to them, they never wrote me back. Um, and then I was just talking to people in my life and I met a, a Pakistani American friend a new friend, and I told him what I was doing. And he's like, I'm going to go to Israel. Maybe I can get you some back. I think they have camels there. And so he did. And this was months later. And he called me um, and he said, and I was, you know, at a cafe or something. And he's like, good news. I got camel milk and I brought it back. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, bad news? Thrown away at JFK oh, airport. Man. Oh, but he goes, I got a phone for you. So I had to call over to Israel. I woke somebody up in the night. <laughs> they didn't speak much their English they initially wasn't English but then you know they spoke English and then they sent me to um, a camel guy that sold the milk um, Eyal and at that time he did not speak much English at all and I was asking all these sciencey questions like how do you test it and what about this and so he sent me to um, somebody in his circle who was Dr. Amnon Gonin who is a brilliant uh, cancer researcher and biomedical and biotech person and so we started forming this long distance on Skype relationship and put together our theories he knew about camel milk I knew about autism together we said let's try it here for my son one thing you mentioned there I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, your background the work that you did and then you right away you're diving in you're taking this really you know science focused approach right um, were you by nature the kind of person who looked to alternative medicines or alternative health care before any of this happened? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. So I, um, I was raised, you know, my family is Appalachian by heritage. And so we were raised in a, a lovely manner, you know, the, a lot of cooking and canning and, and homemade food and, and uh, 
really nice stuff like that. But I didn't really, you know, we didn't really have to have much medicine in our lives. We were healthy. They were healthy. Um, a couple of relatives had arthritis, things like that, but mostly people were healthy. And so it was only when I became a mother to a child with these challenges that I started having to really look into that. And so when I, when it came to autism, there were at that time, no mainstream solutions and there still are no mainstream solutions. So there's a couple of drugs which are FDA approved and they're very problematic and there's some therapies and, and, you know, they work, but only if the person, you know, is feeling well enough and, and healthy enough and uh, functioning brain wise enough to take advantage of them. So you have to go outside of these, you know, kind of mainstream uh, band-aids uh, to really understand the biology of your child. And at that time, there was some, there was some understanding of it but it in those, you know, outlying areas and you had to pay expensive doctors. You had to go to conferences and, um, I did all that, and like I said, you know, with my background of digging into uh, dense material, I, I was just able to really kind of, uh, you know, pull out what I needed. But it wasn't easy. I mean, at first, reading all that stuff made me just want to run away forever. <laughs> that, uh, that's, I really like that because uh, I feel like me and Kay both coming into parenting were pretty similar. We, we took a very mainstream approach with the med, you know, medicine for our children, um, our, our doctors and all that other things. But we also were pretty healthy. We didn't have many issues. Could be because of a lot of the homesteading stuff we do and the food we're eating could have something to do with that. But, but this has led us down you know, what we keep referring to as a rabbit hole. And there's, I know because I have felt this way, a lot of my family... Uh, I grew up, my mom was really into homeopathic medicine. And I sometimes, I, I came into this world very different with a very, like, I want to see the science. And you, reading through your book, reading through what you were doing starting off, uh, I wanted to remind people as we go forward here and hear your story that um, just because it's not mainstream doesn't mean it's not based in science. How did you and the doctor you were working with take this scientific approach to learn about this and actually see the value there? And what did you find? Well, I, when my son was diagnosed, I had to let go of the mainstream pediatricians because they didn't help me whatsoever. And so you had to go off into these alternative practitioners. And a lot of them were very brilliant. So um, I had one, had been working with him for a long time and most of his things worked well. So he was, you know, treating the underlying medical issues, uh, viruses, uh, bacteria, food uh, allergic induced responses, you know, um, things like that. So I've had a lot of success with that. But then the camel milk was like incredible in my son. And so I did that, you know, I had to get it on my own. And so after I got it on my own and gave it to him, then later I told that doctor um, what had happened. And he said, well, if you think that you're stupid, <laughs> and so uh, I thought, well, you know what? I don't need this anymore. I've moved beyond this. So I had new practitioners that I identified and uh, very integrative uh, doctors with open mind and who I was able to partner with. And um, so ever since then, I look at medicine should be a partnership, not somebody telling you what to do or ordering you. And if you have a question, they should be able to answer it. So if they can't answer it, then they don't know either and it should yeah. be a partnership. Christina, that is striking home so much. With our baby, the issues we were facing, we went to a GI specialist 
and they're explaining, you know, some of the things that we're seeing with him, some of the side effects. I said, so why would what, what we're seeing, the symptoms we're seeing, if the issue is here and not here, why, why are we seeing these? They're not connected. And her answer was, well, we don't know. And like that idea that like you don't know the problem, well, why don't we try to figure that out? That like right away hit us wrong. Like if you don't know, but you're just trying to mask, mask it, that seems like the wrong way to approach medicine. Well, in the back of Camel Crazy, um, I do explain that a little bit because it's not even so much their fault. You know, they're in a system where they have, you know, X minutes and now they have to enter everything into a computer screen and can't even look at you. And then they're limited as to what they can actually do if they're in those mainstream systems. Um, so that's where you have to get the physicians who are able and willing and have the time to dig further and master these kind of issues. And unfortunately, it does cost money, but at least uh, the testing is covered by insurance. So um, you know, that's kind of what you do. But the more you educate yourself, the more you can um, come up with solutions that uh, will be science-based, but maybe just not mainstream science-based as far as like the gatekeeping uh, insurance world. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So what did you find about camels? What is so unique about camels and camel milk? And uh, how did it help your family and, and others? Well, back when I you know, was the, the lone camel milk person uh, and just kind of spinning around here trying to figure it out, um, I did fly it in from the Bedouin people in the desert. And uh, those frozen bottles of milk came all that way on uh, a jet. And so I stored it up. And then eventually I did give four ounces to my son at bedtime and cereal. And the next day he had just changed so much. It was absolutely astonishing. And so uh, I really started, you know, really looking um, at the big picture of the camel. So what is it with this animal? How does this work? And, you know, why did I do that? I don't know, but I just had to master everything about this. And so I started reaching out to camel owners, camel people, driving to meet them, uh, because again, there was hardly almost nothing online and there still is very little online relatively. So I just uh, looked at the lore, because there's a lot, there's a lot of lore about camels. They're such an ancient um, cultural mainstay. So people would say things like, oh, the milk only comes in 90 seconds or, you know, people live off it for a whole year and nothing else and those kind of things. And so I started really uh, diving into that. And uh, um, I met with wonderful Somali people who are the most camel crazy country in the world, as I call them, and did some digging. And then they verified for me how camel milk is so powerful that it does things that you never even believe. And, you know, it's any form of reporting. So having been a journalist and a freelance writer, as I still am, you, you got to go around and get different sources and, and dig and see what, what are you turning up, you know, what's real and what isn't. So the more I dig and the more I have done this, so I've done it for a few years now. So 
I've worked, I've been to India and uh, been with the camel herding cultures there. I've been to the Middle East, uh, Abu Dhabi and Dubai, and uh, dealt with a lot of people from different countries, Africa, um, to figure out what is the, the lore and what is the truth and the science and the emerging science about camel milk. And to this day, there are still things that I'm hearing that I would have scoffed at before. Like there's people that are saying, oh, you, you don't go fully under anesthesia if you drink camel milk. And I thought, oh, maybe that was back in the day long ago in another country. And what do you know? There are people in the United States that have been raised on camel milk. And if they get medical treatment or surgery, they don't get fully anesthetized. No and so, way. And that's in America, anesthesia, modern day. So it just never fails to, to amaze me as to um, how amazing the camel is. And the milk is just the tip of the iceberg with that animal. I mean, it's uh, uniquely adapted for its environments. It can live in the harshest deserts. It lives in um, the mountains. Um, there are, you know, a couple of basic kinds of camels. Dromedary, the single hump, is the main dairy focus. But Bactrians, the double humps, you know, like that. Um, they also give incredible milk. Now, what is it about the camels and their milk that that makes it so much better for us? Here, you had actually cut milk out of your family's diet, out of your son's diet. What's different about camel milk? Yeah, so that's that's the big thing that I've spent so many years looking at. And um, so let's start with a little show and tell. Ooh, so I like start, it. Right? Okay, <laughs> so here's a nice bottle thawing right now of uh, liquid camel milk. See, you hear it little jogging around as it's thawing. And then we also have, of course, you got your powder form. And this is great uh, powder from the Middle East, uh, Camelicious Camel Milk Powder. They're selling it in America. And um, like it comes in these little packages that you just shake one and some water and it makes uh, makes milk and then you can kind of blend it with water in these little shaker bottles and boom you got your camel milk to go. Um, then you also have things like like this chocolate in the Middle East that's pretty cool. Wow. And all of these products, yeah, it's so dazzling to me to see these because I used to get these big liter bottles of frozen raw milk. That's all I could get and that was grateful. <laughs> they cost a fortune too. I used to spend like seventeen hundred dollars getting two suitcases into this country. Um, but um, the reason that people like camel milk um, instead of other milks, if they have kids that can't, you know, have regular milk or themselves have digestive problems or other issues is um, it's different. So all animal milks are similar in some ways. They all have insulin. They all have antibodies that are designed to, you know, boost the immune system of the young uh, offspring before they can produce their own antibodies. Those are all similar, but camel milk, um, like the, uh, the case in shape is somewhat different. Um, it's also encapsulated in these micelles that are larger, and it kind of protects that insulin from being absorbed by the uh, by acids in the digestion system. And so that's why it's shown to have you know efficacy in diabetes type 1 and type 2. And there is some discussion of autism being sort of a metabolic disorder, which insulin might play a role in that. And we know, you know that diabetes, eczema, autism, all these rheumatoid arthritis, all these kind of things, uh, they all have inflammation as a, a key uh, similarity, and they're all kind of treated with diet. So that's why, in many cases, diet can help uh, autism and other disorders. Um, so also, the milk has the immuno uh, the immunoglobulins are super super tiny. They're very powerful, but they're super super tiny. So they are like a, a half to a tenth of human size, and they have the ability to kind of penetrate penetrate flesh and tissues 
and go in and kind of kill pathogens, which you know, is kind of a fancy name for bacteria, viruses, things that are in the body that shouldn't be there. And so in a normal immune response, you know, you, you, you fight that off, you get better. But in some of these chronic conditions, autism, uh, food allergies, things like that, you're in a constant state of inflammation. And so your body's fighting so much that it gets caught up in that cycle. And so that can cause a cascade of effects in the body. So treating, um, and I use the word treating loosely, I'm not saying it in a medical way, but you know, kind of um, using food to put your body back in a more natural, uninflamed state, which we used to have when our food wasn't so full of preservatives and our environment wasn't so full of chemicals, um, then that's what you want to do. So the more natural the food, the better, but camel milk itself seems to act as an inflammation uh, modulator. And so I have a whole uh, chapter, called, it's chapter 15, the power of camel milk in my book. And it kind of explains in seven short pages, the science of you know, why it works um, and things like that. But basically um, there's also some great enzymes in it, um, some very special enzymes. Some of them are similar to what you find in human breast milk. Um, those enzymes are very powerful. Some of them have antibacterial, anti-cancer, anti-tumor-like effects. Um, so yeah, it's similar in some ways to other milks, but a lot different. If someone's interested and they're looking for a source, do you, do you suggest they try to find a place local and raw? Do you suggest they find the powder? What's the best way? Where do you start and where do you go? Okay. So I've done all this for you, so you don't have to do it all from scratch, uh, but you make your own choice. So basically Camel Crazy here, the book, um, you know, tells the story and all kinds of stuff in it, but in the book, this, they want to know, how do I give it? Where do I get it? What does it do? How much do I give? Blah, blah, blah. So this is an appendix. Perfect. And it says, you know, the uses of camel milk, and here's some of your you know, uses that you, you know, ADD, uh, autism, hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, gastrointestinal, uh, skin conditions, failure to thrive, uh, Hashimoto's, uh, thyroiditis, yeast, sugar, there's all kinds of things, um, has protective effects in the liver. Some people are seeing that, you know, in their studies. But then, uh, so here's, you know, how to buy it, how to use it, but then, um, and how much to give. But right here, there's a smoothie recipe is your list of sellers. So that's as global too, in America awesome. and in other countries. I want people to know about this milk and the fact that their kids can get better, they can get better. Um, it's a big picture too. Just because you've never heard of something doesn't mean that there's no knowledge there, no wisdom there. Keep an open mind. I hope that Camel Crazy shows that a crazy idea can be amazing and uh, the world can get together behind it. That's a, that's a great mission for the book. Crazy idea can be amazing. <laughs> uh, what, what, do, what are your readers feeling as they're going through this? I know for us, it's been an adventure. Most people are saying, um, and this was something I wanted. I wanted it to read quickly. I wanted people to read it in two or three days and say, I don't want to put it down. I want to read straight through. That's what they did with my first one. That was my goal for this one. Um, and so people are saying that, you know, oh, I, I couldn't put it down. It was great. You know, I enjoyed it. I, I had no idea of this stuff, but I love the part where this happened to you. And I love the part where this guy said this. And so it has some drama in it, as you might recall. I mean, when, when you're in a camel souk in another country and you may think you know what's gonna happen, but you don't always know what's gonna happen. So, uh, or you're, you're out in the middle of a field and suddenly you're like almost gonna die. So um, I wanted to share those with readers. So they seem to be having fun with it as well as 
learning things they didn't know. Um, so it's getting a great response like I hoped. So the reviews are saying like, I, I read it so fast. And another goal was for it to be accessible. Work isn't really great if people can't access it. And so I love writing literary stuff and you know all that, but that's, that's great. But I wanted to put it in a form that people could actually read and enjoy the most people possible. So that's why I really try to make it um, accessible, easy to read and fast moving rather than dry, boring, sciencey stuff, or just a kind of flippy story that you don't really get information out of. So um, I'd like to think that we're succeeding in that. Thank you. Yeah, that. I think you nailed it because um, there's a lot of medical journals and research papers out there. And boy, like you said at the beginning, pouring through them, we've done it a lot of times here on the homestead, just trying to figure out ways to treat animals and that sort of thing. They're hard to get through. Abstracts are not fun to read. Um, this educates you. You learn a lot, but it is an easy read. It is a fast read. And it feels like an adventure as you're traveling from place to place and talking to all these different people who are involved in the camel world. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you nailed it. If people want to buy your book, where do they look to buy the book, Christina? Yeah, so Camel Crazy is available wherever books are sold. And so you can get it in you know, any bookstore, your Barnes & Noble or independent bookstores are great to support. Go into the store. If you don't see it, that's fine. Ask them, they'll get it for you. And second of all, you can get it online. Uh, all the usual suspects, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, places like that. And for international readers, it is available in other countries. So if you go to my website, I have a few places you can click to get the link to purchase. Uh, one is called Book Depository, which offers free shipping on books to the rest of the world. And uh, my website is christinaadamsauthor.com. And I'm also on social media. So uh, Christina Adams Author on Facebook, Christina Think on Twitter, um, Instagram, Christina Adams Author. Are you tired of hearing the word Christina? <laughs> So, uh, but I'd love to keep in touch with you. So yeah, go to christinaadamsauthor.com website or um, I have videos online too. You can find some of those. And, uh, but yeah, Camel Crazy, a quest for miracles in the mysterious world of camels. And it has a foreword by Joel Salatin, who is, you know, super uh, established and, and wonderful and a very sharing, caring expert in the world of farming. And so I'm really happy that Joel uh, contributed the foreword and uh, I'd love for you to read what he wrote as well as myself. This has been an awesome interview, Christina. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Christina's book. It is a very fun read. You will definitely enjoy it. And if whether or not it's not a book, How to Have Camels, if you're not going to buy camels, but your curiosity is piqued about camels and camel milk, or even just Christina's story, you will enjoy it. it you don't have to own a camel to enjoy her book. So thank, thank you so much for taking the time with us, Christina. We really enjoyed this. And uh, like we'll have links in the description below for all of Christina's social media. You'll be able to click right there if you're interested in uh, finding her book. And uh, we'll have, yeah, if you want to find her, she'll be easy to find in the description below. 